We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands, hands, hands. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. We hope you all are winning today because clearly the Pacers have not been recently. Fachi, how you doing, brother? I'm doing better than this team. I mean, last night was a tough one. I know we've said that a few times, but like, I mean, I saw people tweeting out, man, you're a diehard if you're sitting through this game. And I looked at the TV and I looked down on my phone and I went, ah, that's me. You know, it's a, that's what like, am I doing with my life? Why exactly, am I watching this Pacers? Like, this is the price of loyalty right there. Watching the Pacers just open up the floodgates to Charlotte and let them do whatever they wanted. They scored 70 points in the first half, shot nearly 60%. I mean, this game felt like it was over in the first few minutes. Yeah, Terry Rozier had like 13 points in like two minutes, and I was like, oh, this is the kind of game it's going to be, right? So just one of those things where you're you're looking at this Hornets team. You know the Hornets have given the Pacers fits this season already. I mean, we were down by 30 points to them, I think, the last time we played them on the road. Jeremy Lamb and the bench almost brought the Pacers back in that game. And then, of course, the opening night game where Chris Duarte had 27 points. Just one of those things where you're thinking, okay, I mean, maybe we can be a little competitive with them. They've got some guys out. Bridges is out. Uh, My guy, P.J. Washington, was out. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe we can figure things out. Of course, no Malcolm Brogdon once again. Jeremy Lamb entered. Uh, uh, COVID protocols that game. Lloyd Pierce not there because he had a inconclusive test. So 
just a lot of weird stuff here going on, Fotch. And honestly, the starters were just abysmal. The bench was the only bright spot here. Keelan Martin actually played well. O'Shea Brissett was the best pacer on the plus minus with 14 points. And Kiefer Sykes made his debut. Kiefer Sykes is a point guard that's it was his first ever NBA game. And I think you could kind of tell how he was shooting the he ball. Could. He seemed a little bit nervous, but I liked how he played in those 10 minutes he was out there. I liked it too. It was obvious that he was nervous because he actually was getting good looks. He had a, yeah. he had a layup that rimmed right out. He had a wide open three at one point I thought was going to go down. I feel like he had a little bit of like the, the jitters, just nervousness making his debut. Um, also, one thing that was really evident was he's pretty small. I mean, look, I knew he was small to begin with. I looked and I went, man, there's no way this guy's six feet. I looked no. it up. They list him at 5'11". I don't even think he's 5'11". <laughs> I mean, I was like, I don't even think I can give him that. That put into perspective what it would be like if I was on the court. I'm 5'10", and it was like, man, he looked so much smaller compared to, like, LaMelo Ball. Or at one point, there was a switch where he, he was guarding one of the one of Charlotte's bigs. It might have been Plumlee, whatever it was. It was for a quick moment, and I went, oh, my God. But at the same point, awesome story. Look, Kiefer making his debut, finished with a, a goose plus two in the game. Yeah. Didn't turn the ball over. So you can see, you know, he could be a good distributor. Uh, but overall, I mean, there was not many bright spots for this team last night. So the, the Kiefer story was one of them. I tweeted out, very excited to see Kiefer Sykes make his debut. And uh, a listener of the show uh, tweeted out, very, question mark. I went, I got to sell myself on something here tonight. Like, Yeah, I mean, what else you got to watch not, this team? Exactly. It might not be a win, but it's like, Give me some youth movement here or just like a, a good story. And last night, that was Kiefer. No, it definitely was. And I mean, obviously, it was only 10 minutes that he got to play and whatnot. But I thought Karis LeVert talked about him a little bit in the postgame presser. And he said that Kiefer was out there talking, which I, I think that's something this Pacer team, team they, need, they need a leader like that, a guy that's not going to be afraid to come in there. I mean, look, imagine it being your first NBA game you're, you're 27, your birthday's the next day, so happy birthday, Kiefer Sykes, today, turning 28 today, this long journey to the NBA, and you're out there, and you're being a vocal leader on the floor in, in, in your first NBA game. I mean, I think that speaks volumes to the type of leader that he is, and when we had him on the podcast earlier this uh, this year, Fachi, around August 24, something around there, that you can go back and listen to that interview we had with him, he talked about being a leader in summer league and how Duarte and Isaiah Jackson gravitated towards him and, and followed that leadership. So I think that he is a leader. I think that Carlisle likes him to a certain degree, but you're right. If he was three to four inches taller, there'd be no doubt in my mind that he'd already be in the NBA. So I think his height has probably hindered him a little bit from getting that opportunity, but you know, lots of opportunity now, Fachi, because reports came out today that we have three players joining Jeremy Lamb and potentially Lloyd Pierce and the uh, COVID protocols, health and safety protocols, and that is Malcolm Brogdon, who was already out. He's going to be out an extended time now, along with rookies Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. So a little bit of another blow here, Fachi, for this Pacers team, because now their depth is once again hindered. And the whole league is dealing with this, but I think this really will impact the Pacers because you're losing two guys that are probably your top five, top six players. Exactly. Look, when Jeremy Lamb went down, it was like, oh, eh, you know, that's unfortunate. When they took Chris Duarte from us, I mean, all of a sudden it was like, you got to leave us something to just, you know, hold our head high about. And now they, they took 
Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. So both of our rookies, Brogdon, I mean, this guy, he's got some rough luck. I know it was the Achilles lately, now COVID. The only, you know, glass half full approach is, you know, he can rest up that Achilles a bit more. So for right now, look, it's they, they're kicking us when the basketball gods are kicking us while we're down. It's very unfortunate. The Pacers had been one of those teams that had stayed safe from COVID for, for quite some time. I think that was really one of the only great things we were doing lately. But unfortunately, it got us just like it got many other teams. So very unfortunate the Pacers are now very thin at the guard position. Yeah, you said the basketball gods are kicking us while we're down. You know, Fachi, um, I think at this point, the basketball gods might be kicking us to the light, and that light could be landing a top five pick in the NBA draft because – One way to put it. I mean, honestly, there's no hope with this team right now. No, the only hope not. with this team is some serious changes. So I was doing a little bit of tankathon today just to see where the paces were at, and I did the sim lottery, and, you know, the basketball gods were totally against us on this one because – the first five times I did it, we fell a spot. <laughs> and when we fell two spots, and I'm like, this would be our luck. But right now, the Pacers are currently seventh best odds of getting into the top three, into the top four, whatever it is. But just above them is Portland and New Orleans. They both have just one win better than us. OKC, surprisingly, has 12 wins on the season. The Pacers have 14. So everybody that makes fun of OKC for being a tank team, the Pacers only have two more wins than them at this point. And OKC is in that fourth spot. But according to uh, Tankathon, the Pacers have a 7.5% chance right now to get the number one overall pick. So for kicks and giggles, I'm on Tankathon right now. I'm going to do a little sim lottery, just see what happens. And unfortunately, we fell down one spot. We are now picking eighth in this simulation. But regardless, a top 10 pick is huge, Fudge. But I, I think if they lose a couple more games, the chances of them moving up could really be something that is a blessing in disguise for this team. And, I mean, I get it's boring to watch right now, and I don't like looking that far ahead. Of, but if you're looking at the bigger picture, the best way to get this team back on track is landing that star, like they did when they got Paul George, when they've got, like, Danny Granger, when they've gotten these kind of guys that – not a star, but, you know, uh, a good enough player to get you where you need to be. Sure. And then when you name – two of those teams that you mentioned, Portland – I do not see them sticking in that area. At some point, they're going to figure it out. They'll make a move. They're trying to actively win. Uh, then New Orleans. Look, you don't know if Zion's even going to play this year. I mean, they've been playing better, though. That They have been playing better. But if Zion plays, you get a feeling that they should improve. So all of a sudden, it's like, hey, like the Pacers have an opportunity here to leap into that top five and above. So at that point, look, in a season where there's not that much to root for, I mean, picking inside the top 10 is something that many of us haven't even seen in our lifetime, let alone, you know, except for the 10th pick, talking about inside single-digit picks. So that's something that's very, you know, interesting at this point when things are not going right. Um, and, you know, Alex, you tweeted it out, the schedule coming up. Oh, yeah. The next 12 games are – grueling. I looked at it. I didn't want to be the guy to say, is it possible that we don't win one of those games? But now all of a sudden, you know, the COVID bug strikes and the Pacers are are thinner than before. And that schedule, it's scary to the point where, hey, if a top five, top 10 pick is, is, is what the people want, a top five, a top 10 pick might be what the people get. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not even going to sit here and look at this schedule and be like oh you know we're not gonna win any games because some some team's gonna get hit by COVID that we're gonna play we're gonna get lucky you know what I'm saying so 
I think looking at this, I would say best case scenario or most realistic best case scenario would probably be four and eight. You know what I'm saying? Like I could, I could see that happening because look, you know, Cleveland, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, New York, they're dealing with injuries, but we have been God awful on the road, Fudge. And in this, in this, in the next 12 games, we've got seven on the road and five at home. I guarantee, you know, Brooklyn, they could have Kyrie Irving for that game. Chicago, they've got all the confidence in the world after just spanking us on Sunday. Then you got Utah, who I'm sure they're ready for a revenge game after we took care of business there. Uh, Boston, we have a home and away split with them back to back. So that'll be interesting. I could see us splitting both those games. I, I think. See it. I think Phoenix, though, is a team that's going to just come in here and, and, and spank us. Uh, they, they're going through some COVID stuff now, but I'm sure they'll be back, uh, you know, by that point in, in the season. So then you go on a West Coast road trip. You got the Clippers, the Lakers, Golden State, and Phoenix. And then I think you actually have a stop in uh, New Orleans before you come back home. So you're talking five straight games, uh, road games there. I mean, it's just this Pacers team, I, I – <laughs> Fans have been like, you know, what are we watching for? What are we excited about? And right now there's not a whole lot. So the only thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is, you know, hey, maybe some of these guys on two-way deals get a, get a chance to prove their NBA worth. Maybe TJ Warren comes back during this month, um, and maybe we can make a trade. I think that's the only thing I have right now to look forward to with this Pacers roster. Exactly. I'm trying to sell myself on, on, on the little things like, hey, let's get Wayne Washington some more minutes. You know, like, hey, let's, let's see what Keepers got, you know, like, Isaiah Jackson, it's unfortunate that obviously he just went to the COVID protocols, but like I want to see him out on the court for more than two minutes in a blowout. Like, is there a game where we could, I know it's unpopular, but is there a game where maybe we could rest, you know, Sabonis or so and, and get Goga out there for, for 25 yeah. minutes? You oh know? my God. Did like, you look, did you see him on the bench when they came over to the bench that's not towards good. the end of the game and that face he had on there? Like, yep. He had like the most depressed looking face. Like, he just looks like a guy that's like, please get me out of exactly. here. Exactly. You can't blame him, though. He's thinking, no. like, at this point, that's when you start to even want to talk to management and go, why did you draft me? Like, it, Well, yeah, the, the Pacers completely screwed Gogi Batadze they when did. they picked him in the draft. I don't I don't care what anybody says. I, I thought at that point, you know, Gogo might be a really good player, and I thought, okay. Could be. This means they're going to – I think what they were afraid of is they weren't going to agree to a deal with Sabonis because Sabonis – it went down to the wire. It seemed like I'm pretty sure with that with that extension that they gave him, uh, yep. because he wanted something similar to Miles, but he wanted to be making more than Miles, and that was reported on. So he ended up getting it, but there were some talks there like we might not get him. So I, I think people even threw out some trade ideas. Like I know there was a conversation about Buddy Hield for Sabonis at one point before Sabonis kind of had that breakout year, but maybe the thought process was, hey, Sabonis might leave. Let's get a backup center. But regardless, they thought Gogo was the best player on the board. They said that he was in their top 10, whatever jargon they want to throw at you there to make you feel better about yourself. But ultimately, Flachi, when it came to Gogo Batadze, I mean, it just seemed like everything was a mess from the beginning, not being able to get his visas and all that kind of stuff. So with Goga, he needs to change the scenery. The Pacers owe it to him because, look, if I'm Goga, and you talked about it last podcast, he goes down to the G League and looks like Euro Shaq, yep. then he can't even get minutes here. So it's like you, you got to figure out something, especially since he's so young, and you're looking at maybe p- playing some more of your young core. Like I would like to see Terry Taylor, who they just signed to a two-way deal, get some more mm-hmm. opportunities. I mean, he's a great rebounder, um, just dominating the rebound, the glass in the G League. So. I want to see what he could look like. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this this Pacers team, there's just not much to hope for. And you talked about sitting Sabonis. I wouldn't be mad if they set him in Turner a little bit 
um, you know, and staggered those sitting them out just so you can see what you got with them as a solo centers. Exactly. You got, you have to experiment a little bit. And I feel like Sabonis is the kind of guy and I don't blame him. I'm sure miles is the same that they want to be out there every single game, uh, you know, producing, but, but like it gets to a point where it's like, man, what, what if you just took one game off and we could just get a larger sample size on Goga or Isaiah Jackson or both of them. But one last thing, you know, the Pacers G League team, the Mad Ants, they're getting plucked away left and right. And yeah. you look at it, Gabe York. I mean, Gabe was <laughs> someone who the Pacers took third overall. He was averaging over 18 points per game, over four assists per game, 47% shooting, 48% from three. The Pacers are not a good three-point team that continues to shoot a high amount of threes. And Gabe, I feel like, would have been someone that, at least now with COVID, and this is easy to look back on, I mean, it would have been great to be able to at least give him a shot, get him some minutes. And yeah, I mean, I tweeted about Gabe York because I think it was he had like nine three-pointers the other yep. night against Wisconsin, and uh, he was on fire during that game, and he had like 36 points. It's like, mm-hmm. look, the Pacers desperately need three-point shooting. I mean, we've talked about it. Justin Holiday has been incredibly inconsistent. It feels like Chris Duarte at this point has kind of hit a rookie wall. Uh, you're you're – Best three-point shooter sometimes feels like Miles Turner or O'Shea said. Uh, Karis Levert's not a three-point shooter. Uh, Malcolm's been out. He's one of your better ones. So at this point, you're thinking, okay, let's get us a – at least take a flyer on a guy like Gabe Burke. But the problem yep. is he's 28 years old, so maybe they don't view him as part of their you know long-term plans because he's a little bit older. I get that. But at the same time, it's like Keelan Martin, uh, before last night, he was playing terrible, like just flat-out awful. And – he got benched in that Chicago game by for Dwayne Washington. So to me, it's like you've got a guy like this who's on a non-guaranteed contract, and that guarantee date is around like January 10th or something like that. So there's a chance they could wave him once again, like we're having this conversation again, right, with Keelan Martin. But to me, it's like I get that they like him, but at the same time, I would prefer to, to give a guy like Gabe York just a little bit of a run and see what he can do right now. They could have used him, you know, greatly on one of these, uh, what do they call them? Exceptions. One of these uh, yeah. exception deals be, or 10 day exception deals because the, the COVID protocols and all that, all that stuff. So I, I, I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm not mad that Gabe York went to Orlando. It's not going to make a big difference, but you know, it's just, you have guys there in your G league affiliate and you know, Whatever. You can't even find minutes for Google. Why would they even have time to find minutes for Gabe York? I know. I mean, look, the, the fact that here we are, you know, 35 games in a season, you know, bickering that that the Pacers aren't giving Gabe York a shot, you know, I mean, it just shows how south this season went. But at the same point, you, you got to find something to, to hold your head high on and, and root for. So he would have been someone that would have been like, hey, you took him third overall. Like, obviously – the team sees he's talented, but, you know, they, they haven't. So give Terry Taylor, you know, a shot at this point. Like, yeah. he was another guy that you mentioned. He was producing big time. Like, come on, let, let's let's get him some NBA experience with the Pacers. Yeah, for sure. But, Lepachi, I, I don't want to keep talking about the current state of the Pacers because it's not very good. What I do want to talk about is the rookie report and the player of the week. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will start off things with the player of the week. It's time for your Setting the Pace Player of the Week. Brought to you by Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. They put their heart and soul into the food, and uh, I would love to eat there every day if I could. Open Thursday through Saturday at 11. Located at Camp Sertoma. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, baby. All good in this head. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. It's smoking good. 
Brogdon for three. Got it! And Harris LeVert has an eight-point second quarter. Miles, come on, Miles. To tie it. He does! Tied at 106. Warren lays it in. And the foul. And one! 3-6 scoring. Sabonis with the throwdown. Here's another three. Towards What an Oldham young man. All right, for this week's Setting the Pace Player of the Week, we have none other than number 22 from Michigan, six foot six shooting guard, Karis Levert. Now, Levert really stepped his game up in the month of December, but for last week, he averaged 26 points per game with just over nine assists per game to go along with 6.3 rebounds. He did it on 40% shooting from the field. His best game was a 24.11 assists an eight-rebound performance against the team that, quote, did not want him, the Houston Rockets, in a victory for the Pacers. Boom. You love to see it, Karis You know, obviously the game against the Hornets, he did not shoot the ball particularly well, but he has been playing better in the month of December. I think he is finally getting healthy from that back injury. But at the same time, this Pacers team continues to stink, and it's not helping Karis uh, case for being uh, a major impact player, but I do think the Karis LeVert is still a positive player for this team. I mean, they're clearly much better with him on the floor. Uh, I do think there are some times where he can get a little bit of a ton- tunnel vision, Fachi, but ultimately, he has done a good job. Did have, I believe, what was it, eight or ten assists against the, the Rockets? How many did you say it was? It was uh, nine ass- uh, It was 11 assists. 11 assists. Okay, that's right. And I'm, I, I mean, he looked great in that game. So, it's just one of those things, though. The Rockets are probably worse than the Pacers at this point. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So defensively, I mean, hey, the Rockets—they're not—they're not putting up much of a fire. But you know, you like to see this from Karis Levert. I mean, obviously, Sabonis has put up some big statistical numbers over the last couple of games, but not shot the ball well. Turner's had some decent statistical games as well, but overall, Foch, I'm just—I uh, just feel like Karis Levert is uh, the guy that should get this award. Yeah, you know, it's also good to switch it up. You know, we, we've had, you know, Sabonis win his, his share. We've had Duarte win some. We've had Miles Turner. I felt like Karis LeVert needed to get his due. Uh, it really was great in that Rockets game and just overall improved. But, you know, I don't want to live and die by LeVert. But one thing that I found very interesting, his splits in wins as opposed to losses, he's shooting 47% in wins in losses, 38%. Mm. That is way too big of a difference. Um, and you could tell it's when Levert has it going, the Pacers are a far more dangerous team when he does have that tunnel vision you talk about and he's shooting the ball 22 plus times. It's not working out too well. Yeah, I was curious to find out what the shot attempts were in both those splits. I don't know if you have that up or not, but uh, I don't. But we can talk about that another day. I'm just curious because it feels like to me like there was a whole thing that Mark Monty talked about with Brogdon when he. Yep. As whatever, 20 15, points or yeah, less. Yeah, like 15 or more shots or something like that. Yeah, shots. 15 more shots, excuse me, not points. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where I think with this team, some of these guys, less is more. Uh, but, yeah, let's move on now, Fachi, to the Rookie Report. The Rookie Report, brought to you by Pizza King. Located at 135 and Fairview Road. Call us at 317-882-0340 to place your order today. Pizza King, a proud sponsor of Setting the Pace. The Rookie Report. Duarte inside scores his first NBA points. Now Duarte, his three is perfect. Duarte 
He knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! Beat him up! Duarte, step back three, and hits his third! That's a tough three, too. Now Duarte, another three! Here's a long three, Duarte! All right, for the Setting the Pace Rookie Report, we are highlighting both rookies, starting with our first, Chris Duarte. Last week, he averaged 15 points per game to go along with 2.3 rebounds and three assists per game. He did this on nearly 53% shooting from the field and 37% from three. His best game last week was an 18-point performance on 7 of 15 shooting to go along with four assists in a win over Houston. What were your thoughts on Chris Duarte on the week? Chris Duarte's magic has died off quite a bit, Fachi. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're still seeing a good player. I, I'm glad that he's starting. There was a moment there where he was not starting and coming off the bench. And when Justin Holiday came back, they decided to bring him off the bench. And now he's starting with them with Malcolm out. But ultimately, I think that they need to just figure out his role. Hey, are you going to start or are you going to come off the bench? I know we have guys in protocols, and he's one of the guys in protocols now. But um, prior to that, I just feel like he needs to have his role basically simplified for him so if that's be a starter start him figure it out let him start to tj warren until he comes back if it's hey we want you to be our sixth or seventh man then put him in that role going forward i I feel like the back and forth inconsistencies are just a bit of a problem for him he prefers to start he's 24 years old he's a rookie he can help this team he's really good you know i mean he's not been playing great as of late but he is really good we've seen really good flashes from him so I would be super curious to, to figure out what, what it would take for him to get a solidified role with this team and just so he can get a little bit more comfortable with what he's supposed to do. I would love that. I would love if he could just be a known starter each game, you know, rather than being in and out of the lineup like you mentioned. Um, but lastly, the other rookie that we had to cover, Isaiah Jackson, only made one appearance over the last week. He tallied a block, had no other stats, and uh, joined – his fellow rookie Chris Duarte in the health and safety protocols. So, you know, we wish you both a uh, speedy recovery and uh, hope to see you, you know, within a week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, great work by you, Fachi. Always digging up those facts on our rookie report and our player of the week. So appreciate you doing that. But now, Fachi, to end our episode today, usually we'll have a fan of the week on, but with the holidays being crazy, we felt like we'll just wait till everything kind of resets in 2022. And we're going to give our New Year's resolutions for this Pacers team. And we both have five uh, resolutions for this team. So, Fachi, take it away and start us off with your number five. All right. So for number five on my list, um, I would say listen to the fan base and embrace change. I mean, staying the course, I think, can actually destroy this team. Um, I, I think I think they're going to get to the point where it's like a sinking ship and it just the frustrations continue to come out. And I think it's going to be evident that they may not love playing with each other, but we really need that that player that we can sink our teeth into. Um, and right now, I, I just feel like we don't have that. So I know they don't want to blow it up, and but there needs to be more change than just Brad Wanamaker for Keeper Sykes. So I, I think the fan base really feels that, you know, ownership is very out of touch, and I think that they need to listen to the fan base a bit more. Well, that's a great one. I mean, I think that – I think Kevin Pritchard in the front office, yeah, I'm just not sure how much Herb Simon sees I agree. It. So, you know, I don't know if you've been watching Hard Knocks or not on HBO – no, but it's not, been not the season, but well, you need it because it's the Colts, man. And it's been awesome because Jim Ursay is just such a part of that team. And, you know, he used to be a GM of the team back in the day and stuff like that. So he's got experience with that, but I just really like how much he seems to care and love that football team. And I think you can make a parallel uh, to, or a comparison to how Herb Simon is with the Pacers. Like he's super hands off, but he wants to know what's going on for financial reasons and, doesn't have too much to say about it. Like he trusts his guys to do their jobs, which is cool and all. I also like the fact that he's able to just connect with those guys and, and have a pulse of the team. And I don't think Herb Simon really does much. I don't think he does. I mean, look, like there's there's some owners throughout sports that you just know are like fun, passionate guys that will go that extra mile. Like Mark Cuban, you know, like you can see him on a daily basis. He's very visible he'll he'll talk to anyone it just seems like that's someone who is really bent on you know br- building a winner over there and i mean you could just with jim say you could just see me he's always tweeting out giving out free tickets to, to fans and just very yeah. seems like you can see his passion on a daily basis you can't say the same with herb simon not at all but uh i'll move on to my number five here in our uh, resolutions, and this is going to be so funny because I'm sure Pacer fans are expecting this, but staying healthy for a good percentage of the year. Um, this team has been put together, and when the players were acquired, we've talked about this, they have long injury history. So it's just a bit of a frustration because at the end of the day, you, you got to have these guys on the court, and we haven't seen T.J. Warren for about a year now. So 
I'm, I'm just really disappointed that we can't stay healthy, but for the majority of the year, we have been healthy. So um, I just feel like with any team that you talk about, health should be one of your number one concerns. And so for me, I just want to stay healthy. I want this team to stay healthy and uh, hopefully we can kind of see what this team is. Yeah, that, that's the thing is like the Pacers started out the season, you know, having, you know, a couple of starters and we worked our way up to, to four starters, but Look, until you can get that full, you know, five-starter ideal starting lineup with T.J. Warren back, it, it it hurts. You know, it stinks. We've had players with injury history that you mentioned that. Now it, it's it's not a surprise. These guys are – they stay hurt. I hope that's not the case because you want to be able to see the full experience out there of what the front office envisioned. We have not been able to see it. But my next uh, resolution, be more physical. Ooh, I like have- it. The Pacers have what feels like no toughness to them. It, it's it's rough, but they get pushed around, and it feels like they rarely get that that loose ball that that could be a game deciding play. That that rebound that if you box out, you have a chance to win it. It feels like they don't come down with those. They get pushed around too many times. They settle for way too many threes. Yet they don't have elite three point shooters, and they're a subpar three point shooting team. Twenty seventh in three point percentage, twenty third in makes. Getting to the line, they're 24th in makes and attempts. And the sad thing is, is that's an improvement over the last few years. So flat out, we're (laughs) soft. (laughs) Yeah, they do need to be a little bit more physical. And with having two centers and you're playing one basically as a seven-foot shooting guard, it is frustrating. That was part of the problem last night against the Hornets. We didn't even get into the points in the paint. But Pacers have been a top five, top, top seven or eight, I think, the last time I checked team for points in the paint so i mean they're they're definitely getting into the paint and scoring more this month especially but before man they were just chucking threes left and right and not having shooters to do it so i agree with you they're got to be more physical um but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say for my number four finding a team identity fachi i put a tweet out last night because i'm just so fed up with the fact that this pacers team constantly is changing who they are to try and match whatever their opponent's opponent is is going to do. They're always the team that's making the adjustments instead of being the team that's forcing the opponent to adjust to them. So it would just be great to find a team identity, not, oh, one week we're going to play through Sabonis, and then the next week we're going to do five out and put Sabonis in the corner, or then, you know, two weeks later. I mean, and and I'm saying, like, it'd be one thing if these guys weren't healthy, right? And, And you're trying to adjust without them on the team, but it's like, no, these guys have all been pretty healthy for the most part. We've just seen our first outbreak somewhat of uh, for the Pacers with COVID. So I'm I'm just a little bit frustrated with the lack of identity this team has. Hey, look, spoiler alert, I had that as one of my resolutions, so I'll just bump it up to right now. Establish okay. an identity. I completely agree. I mean, Alex, how would you even describe our style of play to someone outside of poor? I mean, yeah. just really, that's what it is. For, for what felt like the better part of 20 years, we were synonymous with being a defensive team, and that shows that that was the Dan Burke era. I mean, really, like, the Pacers hung their hat on being a top-five defensive unit, what felt like year in, year out. At the worst, you could be top ten. Now, it's like when Scott Agnes was on our show the other day, I think he said recently the Pacers were 29th in defensive rating. It was twenty. It's 27th. 27th. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I A little bit better, but not much. <laughs> I did not give us enough credit. But, I mean, look, it, it's it's shocking that we still have a positive point differential. Ugh. But that just shows how average of a team we are. Because if you look at the record, this team should be much worse. But 
somehow they, they managed to like, which like, just like you said, like try and play to, you know, our opponent each time. And it's just not good enough. You can't close out games. And right now there's no way that you could describe this team to someone that really doesn't watch basketball and have them get a good understanding of what we stand for. Yeah, no, it's it's very difficult because, you know, even last year we, we said, well, you know, most of the offense is running through Sabonis at the high elbow, right? Everything is going through Sabonis, and then, you know, Brogdon's kind of picking up the slack thereof, and everybody else is kind of filling in. A lot of two-man game between Domas and, and McDermott, that kind of thing. But now you're talking about, okay, well, we don't even have an idea what we're going to be doing. So no idea of our identity. Of our identity. It's so frustrating. But, um, yeah, so I guess number three for me, because you moved yours up, uh, mine would be some type of big trade. I, I, I just think – this goes back to what you said on number five, and maybe I should have moved it up, but this team cannot continue to put out this product on the floor, Fasha, because if you're if you're in a business and something's not working, right, what do they do? They, they pull it off, you know, they pull it off the shelf. Or if a TV show continues to lose followers or viewers because the show is not reaching the fan base, what do they do? They usually cancel it. They don't renew their, their episodes coming up for the next season. So to me, Pacer fans... I mean, Pacer fans, if they really wanted to, could go out of their way to figure out how to buy passes to watch this team on Valley Sports. They would have to get DirecTV stream or DirecTV or cable or whatever. They'd figure it out. If this team was worth watching, they'd do it. But they're, they're not. So I think personally for me, that is why you have to make some changes to the roster because if you continue to put out this poor product, uh, the results are going to continue to be terrible, which is – um, not a good thing. And, and if you think this team is ever going to turn it around with this group, that's the, def- the the true definition of insanity. It really is. I mean, at this point, like change has to happen. And, you know, my next resolution, very similar, but a little bit maybe more specific, is break up the bigs. At this point, it's become what feels selfish to not only Domas and Miles, but also Goga, that we never really gave either of them a true shot at being the center, I mean, especially Goga, but we're talking about we have very talented bigs here, very talented. But you mentioned it. Miles is being used as essentially a, a seven-foot shooting guard. And, you know, Domas, now we're stretching him out to the three-point line. I mean, five threes attempted last night goes one for five. That's not his game. I mean, it, it's frustrating, but we're a slow team. That's just not athletic enough. That continues to trot out two centers on a nightly basis when – there's a reason why the rest of the league is not doing that. And then when you look at what Cleveland's doing, Cleveland has, you know, they're they're putting out Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. But you know what? The, those, are, those are like talented bigs right over there. Mobley, the second overall pick. Jared Allen, really good in his role. And you look at it and it's just like, okay, we've seen enough right now to realize that we can't – it's not working. It's not. Yeah. They've played together for years now, and I think that – if you're going to make a trade, it's not enough to just like trade Levert and then run both bigs back and keep it going. It's it's not working. This is the best from a, uh, a plus minus standpoint that the bigs have played together. And look where we are. We're, we're, you know, at the bottom of the standings at 14 and 21. No, and I, I think one thing too, real quick, I'll just say, I agree they got to break the bigs up, but the bigs have not been the biggest problem with this team they this year. They They've actually probably been – a, a better solution for some of the problems they've had, despite, you know, the game against the Hornets where they didn't score a lot in the paint. I mean, they've got to do a better job of getting miles and more touches in the paint, in my personal opinion. But 
Um, you know, whether that's off cuts or whatever, I mean, it didn't have to be post-ups, right? Cause I don't think he's that type of player, but they can't just keep him shooting around the th- standing around the three point line, shooting threes 24 seven. He's no. got to assert himself though, too. So it's not just a coaching thing. It's a miles has to do better. And I think we've seen him do better this year at getting to the basket, whether it's putting the ball on the floor or cutting. But I, I think the bigger problem is just the perimeter defense. I pointed it out on Twitter today. I put out a list of like the last six games and, Every single wing, uh, at least one wing that we've played against has shot like way over 50%. And I think the lowest score was like Jalen Green with like 20 points, but he still shot like uh, 7 of 14 against us. Pat Connaughton went 7 of 9 against us. Duncan Robinson was like a 10 for 15. Tyler Hero, he was the one that was on, the only one under 70% or 50%. He was like, uh, seven of 15. So, I mean, he was right there shooting a high clip at 49 or something like that. So it's just like, we've got to do a better job on the perimeter. So that's why I'm just ready to see more of a, a, a trade, not just the bigs, but uh, a see another trade. But I guess just to kind of stay on, on topic here, my number two is stay the course to get a better chance at a top five draft pick. Look, I'm not actively rooting for this team to fail. I don't want them to fail. I don't want them to like lose whatever, but I think like we talked about earlier, the light at the end of the tunnel might be just finding that that next star that can get this team out of purgatory, might be in the draft. I know a lot of fans want Jaden Ivey. I'd be all over that. Um, but there's a lot of guys, I think, at the, in the top three, top five, that would be incredible to get your hands on if you could if you're the Pacers. Absolutely. I mean, every Pacer fan would be able to re- truly sink their teeth into like what would feel like a potential star. You know, like someone in that top five range is, is like you can sell yourself on that. There's hope. Anything can happen. And at that point, Pacers have not been able to do that for a long time. Like, look, Duarte has been great. He's been better than expected. But when we drafted him, there was not this feeling of like the future's now. It was like, uh, all right, yeah, I mean, this this kid looks good. He's, he's you know, 24 years old. But you pick in the top five, you get someone that all mm-hmm. of a sudden you can believe in. So I'm all for it. Like I mentioned, for, for a lot of our listeners, it, it's something that has not happened in our lifetime. So it's very, very appealing. Um, for my last resolution, similar to what my last one was of, of break up the bigs, but a little bit different, it's make Goga a more featured part of the rotation. Look, we're halfway into year three of Goga, and we still don't even know if he either stinks or we failed him, but now we're starting to lean closer to we failed him. And we talked about it earlier, but I crunched some numbers. He has seven appearances this year with double-digit minutes. That's it. That's way too low to be 35 games into the season. It's obvious he's way too good for the G League. We talked about it. Went down there, dominated, came right back up. Nothing changed. I mean, truly, just he's not even getting backup minutes right now, really. He's getting a handful of minutes. So it's going to be unpopular to players. We talked about it, but at some point I need to see a Sabonis or Turner rest day and, and that, that full fledged, like Goga for 25, 30 minutes, let him, let him do his thing because it's like at this point, are you going to trade him for potentially nothing? Or are you going to just continue to just never utilize him and, and kind of just, you know, admit that I don't think the Pacers would ever admit, Hey, we botched this situation, but right now it looks like a botched job. So your number one resolution is to get Gogo more playing time. My number one was uh, was to break up the bigs. 
Okay. I'm just trying to make sure. I was like, man, if that's your number one, I'm like, no. all right, Fachi. No, no, no. You're no, setting no. the goal high there. No, <laughs> no, no. My number one was to create an identity, but when you went with it earlier, rather okay. than a repeat, I was like, I'm going to go with it now. That okay. number two is Brick of the Boots. So they're not really in any specific order. You just kind of gave your top five with no order. Okay. That's totally fine with me. I just wanted to double check because – I was like, man, go get number one. That's kind of shocking. But uh, anyway, sorry, I'm not trying to discredit you for your list. I, I do agree. Goga does need more of an opportunity. And I think Isaiah Jackson can fit right into that same uh, boat because what are you doing wasting his time on the bench? He's not going to get any better sitting there watching. I'm sorry, but uh, we've seen it enough. When guys don't get playing time, they don't get reps, they're not going to become better players. So I think they've got to find a way to get Isaiah Jackson some more reps too. Now, that's not part of my resolution, but my number one resolution is something to cheer about. I hate to say that, but right now, there is nothing to cheer about when it comes to this Pacers team, Fachi. And I'm hoping that through a trade, through the draft, through whatever they got to do, free agency, whatever, they are able to give this Pacers fan base something to cheer about because right now, the only thing we're cheering about is missed free throws for free fries at Arby's at home games. I mean, that that's the extent of it, Fachi. Yeah, it's tough. The the last few games, I'm a very positive person. The last few games have been draining. It's been tough. I feel like I'm almost like doing a homework assignment, basically, to, you know, to be like, all right, well, I got to stay up to date for the show. Got to know, you know, the ins and outs of everything. But but the beginning of the season, it was so much fun. I just felt like you could find joy in like each little thing. Like Duarte would hit a three and it'd be bang, you know, or, or you could just see him hit a buzzer beater, but we're not seeing those same type of like buzzer beaters and like funness. We're just seeing this team just like, just like slowly just let up throughout the game or they just have an awful first half and the quotes coming out are just the, the, it doesn't make you feel like they're going to address the change and come out harder the next night. It's like this team could be off for four days and then come out flat. I mean, there's nothing else to say. You can tell the guys are frustrated. They don't like playing with one another. It's uh, you can read body language pretty well. I mean, <laughs> from what I'm seeing, it doesn't look like they're too happy, and uh, I don't blame them. I wouldn't be happy either. I'd, I mean, I'd want changes made to the roster, or I'd want a, a new home if I was one of these guys because this is just uh, it's just overwhelming. And quite frankly, Rick Carlisle last night didn't even have an opening statement, he just asked for questions right when he got to the table. Like, that's not usually what Carlisle does, he's pretty professional, he comes up there, gives his thoughts on the game, and really, he just didn't have any. So to me, it's just like even Carlisle's getting burnt out right now with, with trying to coach this team. It's just like, what are we doing? So I uh, I really I really just hope that we can find something to cheer about. The last time I felt super excited about this team was probably after we uh, got the news that Rick Carlisle was coming back and then Chris Duarte's debut. I don't think I've been very excited about this team since then. Maybe the Utah Jazz game. The, the Utah Jazz game is my cutoff. I honestly think that that was like when they responded and Miles Turner and Gobert went at it. And, you know, that was like a win that I remember at the time the Pacers needed that win bad. And I got real hyped for that. And then I want to say like they came out against the Nuggets shorthanded and blew it. And all of a sudden it was right. like, oh, man, there goes the momentum there. But Duarte, night one, even though it was a loss, it was so much fun. 27 points in the debut was just like it was beautiful um but other than that i mean it's it's been a couple months i mean the pacers tweeted out like the top moments of the year in 2021 uh the only actual related move that came technically this season 
was the hiring of Rick Carlisle that did not actually take place during the season. So it shows there really has not been those type of moments. Uh, you're, you're exactly right, Bachi. So that kind of puts a bow on our conversation for today's podcast. Can you tell the people where they can find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. If you're excited to celebrate the Pacers, hopefully making some changes next year in 2022, this might be our last podcast before the New Year, Bachi. So we got to close it out. If you're just ready for a new year, 2022, with this Indiana Pacers team, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.